everybody and welcome back and thanks for listening to in the weeds podcast this week i am joined by paddy howley ceo of so let's talk it's an organization set up on a mission to tackle mental health issues and addiction in the hospitality industry mental health awareness is at the forefront of many people's minds right now lockdowns restrictions causing havoc with people's livelihoods and self-esteem and so there's never been such a time to come together check in with each other and and talk about these issues so let's go and talk to paddy hi everyone welcome back to in the weeds and this is episode six of season two and, and after last season, there was quite a lot of talk of mental health and everything kind of kept going to well-being and stuff like that. So kind of we focused this season towards that aspect. So I'm really delighted today to have on um, Pad, Paddy. Is Paddy okay? Yeah, Paddy's cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, from So Let's Talk, which is a great initiative, started up in Manchester. Paddy, how are you? Yeah, do you know what? Really well, thanks, Bab. Yeah, really well. Um, just been really busy during lockdown number two, which is I'm grateful for. Um, yeah, it's, uh, life's good at the moment. Good. Tell the audience, um, obviously, who they're listening to, and well, so let's talk. Let's how it came about. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so um, as you said, yeah, I'm the founder of So Let's Talk. A uh, little bit about myself. I've been working in the trade for the last 14 years. Started off really humble beginnings. I was glass collecting in a working men's club in Burnley uh, when I was kind of 13, 14. Um, fell in love with talking to people, if I'm honest. Um, I love the fact that I could earn myself some dollar um, whilst I was chatting to people. And then I decided to take a KP job at the weekend. So I was 14, I had two jobs, all in hospitality. And from there, what happened was I started managing a couple of nightclubs in Burnley at like the age of 18, 19. I had no right to be in a management position. Uh, it was just because um, I was kind of lucky, put myself in the right place at the right time. And then I went to university in Birmingham, <laughs> studying English and creative writing. I say studying loosely. Um, I didn't do my degree. I ended up managing some, uh, some cocktail bars over there. Uh, and that's where my career started, to be honest. I was a manager at a really young age. I was 21 when I got my first GM position. Um, and that was great. It was, I had a lot of learnings. I decided to move around the UK, work in different cities so that I could kind of get a broad, broad idea of what hospitality was and what Avenue I wanted to take. Also tick off some boxes on my CV. Now on the outset, that sounds kind of semi-successful. That sounds like a really nice path. But actually, I fell into some destructive habits really early on. Um, recreational drug use was through the roof. I had an unhealthy relationship with alcohol that I didn't recognize for a long period of time. It didn't matter what emotion I had. I fed it with alcohol. If I wasn't in work eating, uh, serving food and drink. I was outside of work eating and drinking. Um, so I did that for 10 years. I moved around the UK, working in loads of different cities. And towards the back end of last year, I was doing some consultancy at a pop-up bar in Manchester. 
and it was over New Year's Eve period. And I actually went out for three days in a row, had next to no sleep, still turned up to my shifts. Nobody recognized that I wasn't compass mentis. And I mean, I wasn't in a good place at all. Um, and that for me was really scary because obviously my tolerance levels are through the roof. And I remember getting home and I was sat in my mum's spare room in between rented apartments like I do, I always done. Um, I was always living in new places and renting new new places out. And I remember being sat in my mum's spare room and I couldn't do it anymore. I was like, I'm out. I actually, I was too burnt out. I was unhealthy and I was massively unhappy. And I remember going through my earnings for the year and it wasn't a shoddy amount. I was doing all right as a consultant and I worked out that I'd spent 65% of my salary on drugs and alcohol. Wow. And at that point in time, it was kind of the straw that brought the camels back, cliche saying, but it wasn't about what the money represented. Um, it was about what my lifestyle was saying to me. And the person that I saw myself as in my head and the person that I was living, they really weren't congruent. And it was causing a mass amount of like, internal turmoil. So yeah, I decided to leave the trade. And then I was like, what, what do I do now? 14 years of my life. It's all I've ever known. I absolutely love hospitality. Then I got really angry. I got angry because I thought to myself, if I've been doing this for 10 years plus and I've not had an avenue for help, then there's not one ready available enough. And now I'm not saying that they're not there, but they definitely weren't there when I needed them. Um, and I've worked in a lot of different styles of the industry. I've worked in small independents, boutique places, large corporates. And I didn't know about hospitality action you know, benevolent or the drinks trust. Yeah. Um, so what I did is I put a post out on the Manchester bars page and I went, look, um, I'm, I want a room. I want to create a platform where I, where we can openly talk about our mental health in the trade. And if someone comes to supply some coffee for us, that'd be amazing. Mm-hmm. And the traction of that post was <laughs> outrageous. Loads of likes, loads of comments. And I kind of expected it because it's a silent, a silent issue inside of the trade. Um, so off the back of that, what happened was I signed off the post with, so let's talk dot, dot, dot. One of my friends who I've worked with previously, uh, who's a designer, actually sent me over a logo without me asking for it and said, look, I like that sign off. I think this should be the logo for your business. Do with it what you want. I'll help you out. And I was like, this is incredible. So that's where the logo and the name came from. I'll keep it short. After that, I got to networking. Um, I created a team of 19 people. I got to talking um, and our development team kind of came from a group of people with a common goal. Um, that had some influence inside of the industry in Manchester. So we sat down and started to think about what we can do to add value to the industry, start initiating conversations. And what came from that was a preventative and holistic approach to working on mental and physical health. Mm-hmm. Um, what I mean by that is I explain it a little bit like this. Imagine going to a job interview for a, a role that involves heavy lifting. And during that interview process, the interviewer telling you that they're not going to train you on how to lift heavy objects, but they will provide you with a great physiotherapist for when you inevitably hurt yourself. <laughs> you kind of question that way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to question that way of thinking. It's, it's amazing that we've got these platforms that provide support when, when we need it, when we're in need of, um, of the, the mental health training or the physical training. But what happens about the prevention aspects of it. How do we work on some of the issues that cause this ill mental health or this ill physical health? So we started to create training decks around sleep, nutrition, exercise, mental health, and then targeted towards business owners. Um, we created training decks around the business of health and healthy operations. So it's amazing that we can work with the grassroots level team members, but then how do we, how do we implement that into a business that works um, operationally? Because giving everyone 
three days off a week or whatever it is might not work for a small independent business so we tailor some of our trainings and create a, a person that we can go to with inside of the business that we can work on so um that's kind of where we're at we've grown massively we're now working with like Mowgli, Feel Good Club, um, we're at The Alchemist. So, I mean, it's it's been a bit of a whirlwind and I'm completely winging it. I'm going to be honest with you. This is not a space I've ever worked inside of. I am from a family of coaches. So, so when I was when I was kind of 14, 15, um, I went on the National Youth Council. Uh, we created the ASBO. Um, and then from there, I went to do yeah went to do some work with Tony Robbins and his team so my mum's a master NLP practitioner my sister's a master NLP practitioner my brother is a music therapist as well as being a musician um so I've always been surrounded by mindset uh, really aware of myself which is a burden um at points in time um but yeah so for, for me my background is, is quite mixed but it's always been hospitality um and like I said I'm, I'm, I'm completely winging this we're, we're learning throughout the process um, I've now learned to ask people what it is that they want instead of giving them what I think it is that they need, um, which has been really powerful. But I'll stop blabbering on that um, kind of my journey so far. <laughs> I think anything in life is, um, I think people think they're winging it. Do you know what I mean? So you, you're not, you, you know, from what, what I've seen, it looks great what you're doing and, you know, should be lauded. So you should be proud of yourself. Um, Appreciate Let's just focus on hospitality specifically because obviously what you're talking about is a, is a, is a general society um, societal problem um, but do you think hospitality deserves this reputation because it does have a problematic sort of history of mental health now that could be from overworking potentially um, like you've said then late hours do, do you think it's so much that this is a com- common question do you think it is that hospitality deserves it or there's, there's other other problems that come around with it Yes, I absolutely love this question. Um, One thing that I am really, really, really vocal about, which is, so let's talk here to help the industry not wag a finger. Uh, And I don't feel like wagging fingers is going to get us anywhere. I do believe we need a culture change inside of the industry. We do have some learned archaic behaviours that we keep on perpetuating um, and it doesn't serve as well. But that's not everybody. Like what? So, 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 uh, I mean... Wearing a badge of honour for working 70 hours a week um, is something that I've heard multiple times. So um, I remember when I was doing some kitchen training, um, so the, the sous chef would be laughing at me if I'd only worked 40 hours a week because um, I only had a part-time job if that was the case. And actually, um, productivity-wise, it's no good for you working 70 hours a week. Then as a human being, not as a human doing, which is what we become a lot of the times in the trade, as a human being, um, recognizing that prioritizing your mental and physical health over everything is great for your career, it's great for your productivity, it's great for the business, it's positive all around. Um, and then there's another aspect to it, which is um, the drink after shift. I am a massive advocate of being able to connect with your peers um, and offload. We're a sounding board for other people's emotions when we work in the trade, and we need that space to be able to offload onto somebody else. But when we do that with alcohol continuously, we create more of a connection to the drink than we do to the actual offloading and the person that we're speaking to. So I could only ever voice my opinion when I was inebriated. I needed five shots of mezcal and a pint of Guinness after a shift before I even openly started talking about my mental and physical health. Going back to the question, do I believe that we deserve it? In some aspects, yes, I do believe that we deserve it. I do believe that we've created a system of working that's no longer healthy for us. Um, do I believe that hospitality deserves the best? 100%, and that's why we're here with Select Talk. Um, 
there are other aspects like everything that create ill mental health, social media, pressurizing, pressurizing success and what success looks like. Um, So I've worked with a lot of management that have got into management probably a little bit too early and thought that being an area manager is the be all and end all of life and actually disregarded their own physical health because of that. Um, And actually for me now success is adding value on a daily basis. It's not a big watch. It's not a nice car. It's not a huge house in the countryside. Um, I get a, a sense of success just by adding value on a daily basis. And that took me 30 years of my life to realize that in some dark times. Um, I I mean, the stats don't lie. I'm not much of a stats guy. One in three people in hospitality suffer with mental health. Um, bartenders are 2.33 times more likely to die from alcohol than anybody else. It's the 16th most dangerous profession in the world. Um, number 17 is parole, parole police officers in America that carried guns. And that's right. due to kind of accidental poisoning. Um, bartenders are the fourth unhappiest um, workers in the world number two being servers these stats don't come out of anywhere um and yes some of it comes down to some of the working practices that some organizations uh, put in place but that that again is why we're here to to say look if you don't know any different then we can't be sat here waggling our finger at you so let's have a look at what we can do to improve and move forward uh, yeah I, I i completely agree with you and i think on the other side of the coin though i think with hospitality getting so much press at the moment which it doesn't usually do in the sense of that people are seeing the industry that you know this is a career for a lot of people well a lot of people don't it doesn't have the same connotations as it does maybe abroad or in europe um on the continent and i think mm-hmm. there's something's got to give the other side as well so on a business owner's perspective you know the way they've had to cut that the way they've had to do that because that that industry gets squeezed I'm playing devil's advocate here. Playing in ways that then people, I think over the years, have felt that they've had to do that. So sometimes it doesn't weigh up, does it? And But unfortunately, the people who suffer then are going to be in in those roles, which is not which is wrong. But then that, that again goes back to society, doesn't it? That's You could mirror that in society of how society is set up, um, yeah. but that then causes problems from things like you say, some people try the practices correctly where some won't. And it, it def- it's definitely an issue. Uh, we're very really advocate of trying so hard to keep people under a certain amount of hours. Because like you say, everyone has their own, you only have a certain amount of brain capacity anyway in the day. Uh, and, and it's something that I, that, that, I mean, you've just touched on it. I mean, when you work 70 hours, you're only in service for kind of 37. What you're doing for the other 33? Um, what, why, why are you in the venue when you might not need to be? Um, but also, yeah, I mean, I could talk for hours about rotoring and how we work on rotoring. Uh, but you are so right. I mean, when we got labelled as low-skilled workers, um, that in itself, that, that that term was banded about so much. And when you hear that so often, it will start making an impact on you. And if somebody else doesn't value you, then you might stop valuing yourself. So then you'll lead yourself down these destructive paths. 100% um, government society have got something to say about um, how we are viewed as an industry. Uh, people recognize as soon as they took the pubs and the bars and the restaurants away, just how much of an impact we make on, on the world and just how much happiness we bring to society through offering a great service. Um, that's been, and that's something that's a positive from this. Um, people recognize that, that those venues, those spaces are so necessary and needed um, for society at the moment. Yeah, definitely. And I think also this, this culture of being able to talk to 
um, you know, let's say a front of house server, anywhere you want, needs to go. The guest isn't always right. Do you know what I mean? If someone is abused or or spoken to in a certain manner, then this person needs to be ejected from the from wherever they are. You know what I mean? So it's it, it has to work both ways. Like anything, it's a respect thing, isn't it? So how do you expect someone, like you say, to have self worth? Where I've I've seen reviews where people have it's on TripAdvisor talking about people's weight, talking about what they look like, you know what I mean? Lies, blatant lies, some of them. And then, you know, you're like, you're trying to scramble to get it off before someone's seen it. And then, you know, I know people have seen it and they've been devastated. You know, they come to work and then they get, get hounded and people are on there on the keyboard. They never say to your face. And, you know, this is, this is a massive issue. So you, you see when these places are closed, how important they are to people. It, I, and it, it's such an important point. Um, one thing that I talk about a lot, which is not part of our training, but it's something that I voice when I'm working or training with organizations, which is about setting clear boundaries and maybe boundaries that we've not set before inside of the industry, just because a business owner um, has earned, earned his or her stripes and worked 70 hours a week and put themselves in a, in a detrimental position doesn't mean that everybody else has to. Just because they might have been treating a certain way from a customer doesn't mean that that's right. Um, mutual respect. I mean, talking to somebody as a human being and respecting the work and the service they're providing is kind of just a basic, right? I mean, it's weird that we're even talking about it and that it's a thing, but it is. And people say it behind computer screens or I found in hospitality, they have the audacity to be able to say it to your face. I mean, I, I got judged for my colloquial dialect because I was from Burnley and I worked in certain areas. People would, would ask me to repeat things or, or laugh at me when I was talking about certain regions and certain wines because they were shocked at the knowledge because of where I was from. I know, um, I know all about you, that You don't get that anywhere else. Um, <laughs> but it, it's, it's, it's something that you come up against a lot. Mm. Um, and it's 100% something that I feel is changing. And when you start valuing yourself and setting boundaries and boundaries for your team members, that shift in culture is going to change 100%. With things you're talking about, if we move kind of away into kind of how how you can do that, how you, how can you look after yourself? Obviously, these lockdown periods are very very difficult. We were chatting a little bit before we started recording about it. Um, just sort of different. Everyone everyone has their own personal problem, don't they? Like I was saying, mine was I was about the the children being a nursery was like a massive relief for me. Obviously, for other people, you know, I'm lucky to have a have a family like that where other people are very sort of secluded off. Uh, did you have a specific lockdown strategy for people? Yeah, do you know what? It's a great conversation, is it? Um, it's called personal development for a reason, right? Uh, it's personal to each person. Um, and for us to put out there a blanket kind of guideline and list of things that people should be doing, even just that that term should be doing something adds, adds yeah. pressure. Um like I said, this has been a learning curve for me during the last lockdown. I mean, I was doing lives every day. I was burning myself out. I had Zoom fatigue, real first word problem. I had I had Zoom fatigue. Um, and because I was I was doing cocktail master classes, cooking classes, I was talking about mindset. We had a live every day introducing people. And yet it was great. Um, but what I've recognized and what the feedback's been is that lockdown number two is a little bit different. It's a different season. Um, people have, people have, have been through it now. It's a little bit boring. It's like number two, yeah. are we really back in this position? Um, so for me, yes, we have some real basic ways of working. Um, and I've, I, we, well, in partnership with Healthy Hospital, we've put it into a real simple set. And we call it, let's talk about sex, which is sleep, eat, connect, and sweat. Real basic. 
Um, so we, we put out information about how we can work on our sleep, um, how we can work on, on eating uh, and, our, and our diet, how we can connect with ourselves, with other people and with nature, uh, and then a little bit of movement. Now, these are real basic things that I believe from my experience in the trade, I disregarded. I mean, the fact that people are even tra- training on sleep blew my mind to get started with. I was like, people train on sleep. Um, <laughs> so that's that, so we our training decks are created by experts in their own fields, um, made relevant by us to the hospitality industry, and then delivered from a place of experience. The reason why we've done that is I put myself back in my bartender shoes where I was probably a little bit burnt out or hungover. Somebody expert would have come in to talk to me about sleep who's never worked in the trade, never done an AFD. Um, I just wouldn't have resonated with it. Um, so at that point in time, we, we changed some of the language. Now, our sleep training deck's written by a guy called Nick Littlehills, who's Man United sleep coach. He wants to own sleep coach. He works with Sky Sports cycling team. His resume is incredible. Um, our, our mental health training, uh, created by a guy called Craig Fern, who advises the European Union on mental health. So all the information's there. For lockdown, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a bit of a disclaimer out there. Um, putting pressure on yourself to do any of the points that these companies that are doing amazing work are putting out is more of a hindrance than a help by pressurizing yourself to do any of them um, is, is going to have a negative impact on your mental and physical health. But there's some simple basics that I do. Um, I make sure that I prioritize my health and wellness over everything. So I work on my sleep. Um, I make sure that I'm eating at least three meals a day. And I now see cooking food as personal development. It's a bit of self-care for myself. Um, I absolutely love cooking food. So I'll experiment it with it in the kitchen. Um, I connect with people. So I, I have one person that I openly talk to about my my feelings. Uh, he's a mate, he's been a mate for a long time, um, and I can just soundboard to him. And then my, with my sweat, I, I love working out, absolutely love it. So um, I try and do at least 30 minutes of activity in the morning, 30 minutes at night. Um, that's, that's kind of what I work on. It might be some yoga in the morning and then some other little tips and tricks without going too deep into it. Cause I could literally fill up three hours of talking about all of this, but, um, journaling has been a massive thing for me. Um, my morning routine is I get up, um, I don't have my phone in my bedroom. Um, the reason why I don't have my phone in my bedroom is because I work from my phone. So when I take my phone into my bedroom, my bedroom then becomes my office, um, and not a sleep space. Um, it means that I'm not woken up by my phone. And what happens is when you're woken up by your mobile phone, the first thing you do is check your notifications and then you're feeding yourself with somebody else's emotions and feelings before you recognize your own. And whether that's negative or positive has an impact on your day. And at the moment, the media is negative. So if I was the first thing I was to see was Boris has just put us into lockdown again, I'm going to have a bad day. Um, so, um, and then I give myself an hour space um, before I even log on to any social media, any work. Um, I write down my thoughts and feelings by journaling, do a little bit of meditation for five minutes. Um, and then I get cracking with my day. I cook myself some breakfast and have a good coffee. Um, and that's kind of the day. Now that's taken me a long time to get to that period. I'm not saying that everyone has to do that, but that for me is a system that works. Mm-hmm. Um, what I find is without going too deep into it with sleep, um, we've, we, we have structure and then we forget structure as a, as a kid, our carer will have um, created a routine for us. Um, we'll have put our PJs on, we might get a bath. Then, it, then they create complete darkness. We'll read a book and then we'll go to sleep. Then we grow up and we get into the big wide world. We forget all about that. We live these hectic lifestyles and then we expect ourselves to just switch off and be able to sleep inside of an environment that's no longer comfortable for us because it's surrounded by technology and, um, and light. 
right? So these are all the things that we work on. You know, it's funny you say that. So like, I, I'm trying to work hard on my morning routine. Try, I'm trying to get up early before the, before the kids get up. Nice. Do what you said. Work out. Maybe meditate. Read a little bit. <clears throat> so I'm ahead of the game already. And then obviously when the kids get up, it takes a nursery. By the time it's nine o'clock, I feel like I've achieved something and I've kind of got that mental headspace. One nice. thing, which I actually, I really love getting up now, these, well, as I get older, but I mm. still struggle on the, on the going to bed side. I can never go to just take myself off, go to bed. Rather than I wait, I'll wake up, I'll, I'll be sitting downstairs, I'll watch a film, I'll do that until I'm right to the very end. And it can be like half 12, one o'clock, like last night. And it's like, ah, it's too late. And I, I should be in bed at 10, reading. And I, that is my biggest vice that I struggle with. Um, and, but, and I know when we're talking about uh, immune system, so I do, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty healthy, I don't really drink, do, do a lot of vitamin D, exercise. Every time I'm run down, it's from lack of sleep. It's really important, actually, something that we that we train on. And um, actually, people are innately a morning lark or um, or a night owl. So that's kind of in our DNA. It depends. I'm not going to go too deep into it, but when when we were back in the cave, caveman and cave woman days, you'd have one person that'd stay up and guard the the cave or, or the the area so that the other person could sleep. And naturally, um, we become either a night owl or, or a morning lark. Um, and for me, getting to sleep was was really tough. It was a challenge for me, uh, and I've had to really work on it because those those kind of habits take a long time to create. So we can't just snap them out straight away. So it is a work in progress, and realizing that the process is something that's going to be positive for you, um, and it's not going to change straight away is a really cool way to safeguard yourself. But here, like the we call it our pregame, so the pregame before sleep, um, which is really important. Um, the half life of just one espresso is eight hours, um, and that's with yeah. a working healthy liver. Um, so if <laughs> and if we're drinking a lot as the bartender, maybe we don't have the healthiest of livers. So processing that caffeine can take a long period. Time. So I just don't drink after three o'clock. Yeah. Um, and then I have a 90 minute window. So I switch off from all social media 90 minutes before I go to sleep. 1130 is when I go to bed. Um, and then I'll do my menial jobs, the stuff that doesn't take a lot of effort. So um, I'll do my washing, the washing up, um, maybe a little bit of cleaning. One plus side to that is waking up to a clean kitchen and your washing being done is an absolute winner. Um, but the other side of it is it allows us to start unwinding. Um, and putting ourselves that we know we're going to start going to sleep, but we're not doing any really tough exercise or any mental activity. And then after that, once I've, once I've done my menial tasks, I will read a book. Now, the reason why I will read a book is because technology, for me, it spurs me on. If I'm on social media, I'll, I'll be thinking about creating content or be thinking about work. So I'll read a book because it allows me to delve into somebody else's reality and take, my, take myself out on my own. Um, so I usually read some fantasy or, or something that's not too heavy um, and then create complete darkness in my room, which is so, so important. Same, same again, back in the caveman days, it would be cold and it so a certain temperature between kind of 18 and 19 degrees is perfect to sleep inside of. I don't yeah. get too technical. I just leave my window open in the morning um, and I close it when I go to bed. Yeah, your body needs uh, to drop, doesn't it? Needs to drop to sleep. That, I mean, it's so important. So having a warm shower um, before you go to bed is really cool because then when you get out, your body temperature is dropping and you can you can get ready to go to sleep then. Um, and then, yeah, I, I've just bought myself um, an alarm clock, um, which wakes me up with natural light. 
um, and plays natural music. So it kind of bird sounds in the morning cost me 30 quid it's next to nothing um and these are some of the things that going back to hospitality this is some of the things that we talk about so actually and um, talking to your team members and saying look instead of giving you booze when you do good work um maybe we'll buy you a mattress topper to aid better sleep yeah. um or maybe maybe we'll, we'll get you a, a sad alarm clock that wakes up with natural light or uh, if you you live in a really busy place, maybe some, some earbuds um, and a blackout blinds that you can create darkness in your room. All of these things. I mean, if I was back in the trade and my manager said to me, if you hit target this week, this is what I'm going to get you. I'd be like, well, this, this company care about me. I'm going to work harder. <laughs> you know, I was speaking to our pizza chef. We've done like 400 pizzas in, God, no, a couple of shit. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to get you a massage. He was just like, oh, wow. I was like, yeah. And I think, you know, that's what really appreciate because that's what he needs. I think that's a good point, man. I think that that's what really people should be focusing on. It's definitely, definitely better than it was, though. Oh, 100%. Definitely better. Without a shadow of a doubt. I'm not joking. I've been so, it sounds so cliche, I've been so lifted by some of the stories that I've heard from business owners, small independents and large corporates that are now making a shift towards just being really conscious about how they view business. Um, and yeah, money, bottom line, all that kind of stuff is, is one of the reasons why we get into a business, but also it's a purpose, right? Um, I usually find that business owners that do really well have a reason why they're in the trade and they have a real emotional connection to what they do. Um, and then helping others realize that through their journey of hospitality is only going to increase productivity from the team members. I was talking to one business last week that actually, um, didn't, one, one guy wasn't performing um, and usually would have just got rid of him. But they, they recognized that he wasn't in love with being a bartender, but he was in love with photography. So they put him through a, um, a photography course and now he does a photography for the business and he's not a bartender for them. Um, so keeping people with inside of your, your bubble um, and inside of your organization by having those kind of conversations is so powerful. I, I, you know what? I mean, I probably won't mind me saying this, but we, we, we had a guy work for us for nearly 10 years and you know he's he was worked in our late night venues similar thing um really good friend of ours but he kind of been on one of our first members of staff to now and obviously he went through problems of of going and you know some finishing work at six seven in the morning um obviously went for lots of ups and downs through the years and obviously through talking and him actually you know going to speak to people that um which i'm a big advocate of you know he now what he 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 does all the photography and social media for the whole company. And we has like our own separate arms. It's a very similar story. Um, but kind of like all that, you know, he knew in the end that had to take himself out of these environments and the trigger points were actually going behind a bar, for example, and start to pour a drink and going in those environments of a shift and around people at a trigger point and recognizing that. But that, that took a long time. Um, but, you know, he's, he's very happy now, which I'm, I'm, I'm very, very humbling to see. What a, what a great story that is. And also you, you talk about triggers um, from from myself. I I recognize kind of when I stopped working inside of the trade and I started to work on So Let's Talk, before that happened, I went to an AA meeting because I, I, I was confused. I was like, am I addicted to alcohol? Is it just an unhealthy relationship? And as I sat there in that room and people were sharing their experiences, I recognized I wasn't at that stage in my life, but I knew that something needed to change. So I decided to stop drinking kind of 300 plus days ago. Um, and I don't believe I'm ever going to drink again, if I'm honest. And that and that, there were some of my trigger points. My trigger points were... Um, excitement if i was in the weeds um yeah. uh, it was saturday it was saturday night and i was five deep i was a full-on cowboy bartender i used to love standing on point and just kicking out loads of bebs and having a party um but i'd have to be a part of that and being a part of that was drinking benedictine um and 
and shot in loads of bourbon. That was kind of, yeah, I'm, I'm a Burnley lad. So Benedictine and hot water was what I had during my shift. Yeah. I'd just have a little glass with Benedictine and hot water and I used to drink it relentlessly. Um, so, so do, and those, those realizations um, are what we work on with So Let's Talk. I mean, our, our mantra and our tagline is to 86 to silence. Right. Um, so we get rid of the silence around mental health, about, about physical health, and we openly talk about all of our emotions. Um, but then also allow people to have those realizations or maybe <laughs> put them in a position where they don't have to have those dark realizations and they can actually catch people at the beginning of their career. So we work with people that hopefully like, like the um, London bartending school or the European bartending school so that we can start talking to people at the beginning of their career. This is, this is a career that you should be proud of. This is, this is something that, <laughs> that I used to view as just a stepping stone, but then quite quickly realized that I was on, I was on good money, living a, a good life, but maybe I had some dark times at a really young age. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of something that I feel really passionate about, which is people openly expressing it just by you having that conversation and telling us that story. Um, it's openly the floor for other people to be able to voice their experiences as well. Yeah, I think I think anytime you should. I mean, even from from you know on a personal level with with myself and my partner, when we we had twins, which is a, a massive thing for any relationship, we decided to go and talk to someone to help. After that, not not that, that there was a problem, just that preventing anything happening and and a big change can be a trauma, can't it? So if it, opening up and talking about these things early on does set the tone because if you're not talking about them and, and anything like anything it manifests doesn't it? it becomes a cancer what happens to a lot a, a lot of men especially i don't mean to generalize but obviously that's why you see a lot of high suicide rates in men isn't it yeah it's something when we talk about connection that we that we touch on which is um we don't like to pinpoint but you can't you can't really deny the stats, the figures, uh, the reality of the situation, which is connecting with male friends and openly talking about your feelings with your male friends, is it helps me. Um, is whenever I think about somebody, um, say for example, I, I I remember bartending with somebody and a, and a thought process pops into my head, and I'll call that person um, and I and I ring them up and I just say, "How are you doing? How's life? Just been thinking about you. I remember this situation. Uh, hope you're good, buddy." And that just that one chat. It's, it's a really easy way it, to do it. That's similar to what I was saying before about the guys at Movember. That, that, that's exactly what the, that's how it started, I think. Checking Love in. That. Okay. Yeah, it is. I think um, talking, like you say, talking should be a strength, not a weakness. Um, go, going back to like early life, some of these things you're saying, one thing that I've, I've noticed is, you know, this thing with <clears throat> Marcus Rashford and the schools and food banks they struggle to get the right choices early on in life in the sense of what we're talking about food and diet and what's available for them this should be a lot better at primary level you know so that maybe these things don't manifest even earlier so it yeah i mean that's such a good point i'm i'm pretty lucky actually um i'm from a big irish family um food for us was always the vocal point of any day um so there'd be a lot of dead animals and a lot of great veg and i'd eaten a lot of weird things at such a small age i was born in france we were quite varied in what we ate my mum's a great cook um i was made to cook my own breakfasts uh, when i was kind of like nine or ten i was cooking to kind of fry up so i was introduced to food real early and i had a love for food and that's kind of grown within inside of our family um so i'm lucky in that sense but we but one thing that 
did perpetuate on the other side of that coin, which is drinking. Um, we we had a drinking culture in the side of the family. We never drank at home, but when we partied, we partied hard. And Boxing Day was always outrageous. It, we'd bring way too much alcohol for 10 people. Um, and it'd always be kind of a tasting session between the brothers that lasted till five o'clock in the morning. That was kind of normal, but that came from that drinking culture. Yeah. So you have two sides to the coin that I was educated on food and I knew what I needed to, to make myself healthy and um, to have a, a varied diet. But then also... I grew into a culture of drinking and that being a norm. So me drinking nine pints of Guinness after a shift or whatever it was, was normal. Right. Um, so that, so that you are so right. And that early education prevention, as you were talking about, not cure prevention is so much more powerful than a cure, um, is really, really important. And that's not something I've delved into. Um, it's something that with, so let's talk, we would absolutely love to do. Um, and that's kind of as easy as, is getting some local chefs to go into a school and talk about maybe a, a food service and a prep and why they build a certain dish a certain way and maybe get people to try different food groups um, and chat to them about, about that, um, which would be really cool. But then you've got the other side of it, which is um, the Mediterranean diet's expensive, right? So how yeah. do people on a low wage be able to afford that kind of food? I think, I think that's where they need to learn how to, how to grow and stuff. Um, I think it should start from right from the seed, like, um, but you know, it's a whole other big conversation. Um, it's interesting you say about that. I was thinking like, you know, obviously I'm from, I'm from Liverpool, both my sides ancestry, both come from Ireland and, 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 and I know quite a lot of of a similar way and it's obviously a generational thing, but you know, I know like right through my family, the drinking, you know, they all drink and some of them have, have had serious problems with alcohol uh, going back to kind of you know even yeah. 100 years back and I know quite a lot through that now I wonder like it's interesting is that because I, I I always been I don't drink now really but when I used to drink and people who know me will know in my 20s I, I, I just didn't I could be out for days you know and mm. I, I, that wouldn't do now but I wonder if the, it, it, there's an argument a lot of people think that these things these cultures are in start ingraining in your DNA it's very difficult to shift them. It's, it, it's I mean, we're, we're touching on a, on a similar topic again, which is amazing because there's so much synergy be, between what we're saying. We do the same in hospitality. We create this culture that we're ingrained with in some way, shape or form where um, we keep on perpetuating it. And yeah, I'd, I'd, me and my brothers have always all, openly talked about how we kind of face that and start being really honest with ourselves and saying, is this serving as well? I, I ask myself a question, uh, is this helping or hindering me? Um, when I've got something that I'm pondering on or something that I know that's not serving me well or is serving me well. So ask myself the question, is this, is this helping or is this hindering me? And drinking was hindering my life. It was the most negative thing that it was creating the most amount of neg- negative impact on my life was drinking. Um, but it definitely came from a culture, 100%. I mean, I was glass collecting in a working men's club, an Irish league working men's club when I was 13. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I used to, I, yeah i used to go and put the bets on at nine o'clock in the morning whilst people were playing dom and dominoes getting ready to drink all day yeah. women will be playing bingo in, in one room and the men will be on the ninth pint by five o'clock and watching the racing it was normal <laughs> no but that's normal isn't it because if you see obviously back then you know licensings were different the pub used to open in the morning it closed in the afternoon reopened the early evening yeah. that's how people structured the day and people have seen that that where, where you put a 10 o'clock curfew in, people just go and do it. They'll go and drink earlier and, and adapt to a culture. So you kind of, like you say, it's interesting. There's a synergy between that for definite, what you've grown up around you. But uh, I've always found it interesting. I think it took me for, for my, my children to be born to actually realize that, 
I felt better not drinking at all, really. Um, but to probably think- yeah, that's cool, right? So, so, and and this is something that I'm finding a lot. One of my friends, um, Nathan, he's got speaking code in Manchester, um, and he's part of our development team, and an amazing bar, um, and he doesn't drink, and I, I and I was shocked because I had to leave the industry to not be able to drink. I couldn't. I don't think I'd I'd be in this position now if I was still working in the trade because I had those really ingrained triggers um, that I, I couldn't get out of and I had to leave. Um, but yeah, he doesn't drink and he still works in hospitality. For me, that was kind of mind blowing. Um, and and his his thought process on it is is really cool. But then when he started saying that even just connecting with people and socialising without drink um, becomes a lot more positive. And for me, I found that I can actually go out whilst people are eating and eating and drinking and and I can hold my own. Now, that was not something I thought I was able to do. I thought I needed a couple of shots of Benedictine to be able to do a, a Saturday night service. But yeah. that obviously wasn't the case. Do you know what? Being involved in the coffee industry, you know, it's seeing it thriving now. Coffee shops and people wanting to meet for a coffee is actually becoming a huge thing again. Um, probably for the reasons you're saying. Um, I, that's something I really enjoy, uh, going out for a coffee and meeting and talking. And I know quite a few people are the same. And I think there seems to be a shift in pattern, like you say, maybe pre-25 or millennial Gen Z, yeah. if you want to call it that, going down that route, um, which I think is a good thing. Yeah, 100%. It's, it's such a good topic as well. Um, you bring it up a lot a lot here. But so we talk about generational and we talk about generations quite a lot. Um, and what, what I found by talking to some organizations is that the people that own the businesses and the people that work on the grassroots levels, completely different generations. Um, and then what happens is, and this is throughout society, generations blame each other. Um, so we're snowflakes or, or you're bigots and you're, and you're racist and that's what, that's what you were uh, and you did this and then you're ruining the world. And then you get this kind of conflict. And then because inside of a business, they might not speak to each other, they don't know what it is to feel valued between both of them. Um, and that's sometimes where the breakdown happens. Um, and 100%, I talk to a lot of new bartenders who are, are sober or they're really conscious. They might only drink once a week um, and their views are completely different. When I started bartending, I was wearing a sweatband. I had like four bar blades in my pocket and wearing <laughs> too much jet hair. Um, and I, and I, I knew that like necking a flaming Lamborghini during a shift was like a party trick. And it was like all of those kind of things was normal for me. Um, but yeah, it's, that's changing massively. Hundred percent. You know, let's you know we get out of this difficult period. Where where would you like to see things develop and 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 stick on a hospitality and mental health level? On a, on a hospitality and mental health level, um, for for me, I, I, this is this is me wearing my real positive hat, which I try to do more often than not. I'm I'm seeing a massive change already. For me, being able to see a whole industry even initiate conversations about mental health, have trainings around it. So if you are opening up a new venue, you don't just do um, menu tastings. You, you have people coming in to do trainings. My ambition with So Let's Talk is to have a So Let's Talk uh, ambassador in, inside of every hospitality organization in the UK. So you have one person, not that you go to, to talk about your mental health, because that's too much pressure on one person. You're not a mental health professional, mm-hmm. um, which is a completely different topic. Uh, for, for, for me, um, I, I'm massively hopeful um, that we're going to see a different surgeons in in hospitality professionals and what i mean by that is um people that are more conscious that set themselves 
boundaries that will no longer agree to doing 70 hours a week and that will have a voice to say actually that's not going to work for me I don't believe we're going to get the best out of myself if I don't have two days off in a row I don't see my family for three weeks um that's that's a first positive change and then for a culture change to happen here's what I want and what I'd love to see is for business owners to start prioritizing their team members health and wellness over everything over everything over bottom line over GP because actually it's the people that make you the money and without them there you don't have a business you you'll know that yourselves and and for me if you have happy healthy emotionally attached team members your business is going to thrive um and to instill that culture and ethos is so so important this is where the synergy comes from the top though doesn't it across society how the how government and ministers need to listen to that um so it's all from the same hymn sheet so let's talk is focused on hospitality per se but have you got any you know plans to kind of just open it out to a more of a societal thing yeah i I believe that for my own purpose my purpose fell within hospitality because i love the industry i don't have any views to moving it out yes our information and training um could be used in any form of the of any any industry it could be used in any walk of life for me for me to stick to my purpose and my reason why I'm going to stay with the industry. Um, I think I'll probably be in my 80s and 90s before I've worked with all of the the trade in the UK. I mean, we've got enough to be going around for us to be working on. I have been approached by other organisations that said, can we have Select's Talk um, construction? Can we have Select's Talk recruitment? Um, And if that was to happen, then I I would want to be working with somebody that's had the same experiences in their trade that I've had in mine and that wants to take over that part of it. But for now, my sole focus is working on the industry. The reason, again, cliches, the reason why I get out of the bed now in the morning, um, I absolutely love what I do. Even just sat here talking about the journey and being able to chat to you about about your experiences. We're we're a not-for-profit. Just to let everyone know, disclaimer time, uh, we're a not-for-profit. I, I pay myself a living salary. Um, we've got a really Swedish model going forward where everyone that joins us that I employ um, is going to be on the same salary as me. Um, and we have no working hours and unlimited vacation time. And it's a real different way of working. Um, we set up as a limited company. And again, disclaimer time, the reason why we did that is in the future, I'm going to turn it into a social enterprise where I can start pumping money into other organizations that are doing amazing work with inside of the industry instead of having a charity where I don't get the freelance to be able to do that. Cool. You mentioned the Swedish model there. Um, yeah. Obviously, uh, Sweden's brought up quite a few times over this pandemic. Obviously, the one, how they approached the lockdown scenario and obviously the sort of working ethic there. What you take from that? Yeah, do you know what? It, I, I sound so left wing when I when I start talking about this, but when I started to do some research into it, I was listening to Steve Bartlett um, and his podcast. He's the guy who's the CEO of Social Chain. He's incredible. Um, and it and I I was got talking to the Feel Good Club, and I don't know if you know them, but they've set up a mental health cafe in Manchester. Um, and she actually used to be um, Kiri actually used to be the director of happiness for Social Chain, and she was talking about they had no. Um, they had no vacation time, right? So in terms of um, they had no limit on vacation, limited vacation. And I was like, how does that work? Um, and what? She, and the response was amazing. She was like, what you find out really quickly is how invested people are inside of the business. Someone's taking four, six weeks, four to six weeks in the first quarter. Then there's a red flag there for how, how attached they are to the business. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also what you have to safeguard is people who are too invested who won't take any time at all, right? Um, 
but what you find is that people are really fair and actually treating people like grown-ups <laughs> and instead of caging them into your way of working um gives them a bit more freedom and then there was the the no working hours which again wouldn't work inside of hospitality but in the other industries um saying this is your workload we've already talked about expectations and what we're looking to achieve here and do it in your own time um to make sure you're looking after yourself and training people around mental and physical health at the same time um and then for me paying everyone the same salary i'm a massive advocate of people getting paid the worth i don't want to sound like i'm on a soapbox here but for a long time in the industry i didn't get paid my worth um Mm. And, and I believe that. And I've watched people had to leave the industry because they weren't getting paid the worth. Um, and it was sad to see. So I wanted to make sure that when I set up a business, people were getting paid their worth. Um, and even if that's just providing trend. For us, like on our pe- on a personal level, that's always something we've always tried to have an open door policy and that, you you know, no question is too daft either. You can always, always come and approach talking about money shouldn't be an issue. You know, these are the things that essentially do that. Look, we don't, hey, we don't always get it right. You know what I mean? And, and everyone, everyone has, uh, and such a diverse society, you can never please everyone. But I think, um, you know, uh, having it, being conscious about it, which is probably a lot of things, is, is the first scenario, isn't it? Yeah. And, and you're touching on something that we just started to work on, which is financial health. So I had a look at the trainings and I was thinking about what was missing. Um, and Tim from Healthy Hospital, who's one of our business partners, we were talk- talking and, he was, and we, we came up kind of financial health. And for me, I was like, I don't drive and I'm 30. And I talked to a lot of bartenders who are 30 and don't drive because I spent all the money on, on alcohol or they chose to live in above the means in a city, city centre apartment next to the place that they worked so yeah. they didn't have to drive. That was a big part of it. But for me, financial health was something that we needed to focus on. So kind of what is APR? What is uh, national insurance? Um, What is compound interest? Um, We have this culture where, for me, especially when my experience, I used to um, get my wage, then I'd figure out how many times I can go out in a week, then I'd pay my rent. um, And then I'd think about saving afterwards, which never happened. So um, my credit rating rating shocking at 30 because I I went through a system of just splashing all my money about. Um, So what we wanted to do was work on financial health and start putting in some trainings about how we can be more conscious about our money um, and also how we can make our money work for us by investing in green and ethical businesses. A lot of the things that we talk about, everything actually is sustainable um, and ethical in in its approach. But that was something that I felt was really needed for the industry. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And obviously, I think over the next 10 years, the, the sustainability aspect, zero waste, this this kind of goes back to what we're saying though isn't it this this needs to start early in life so it needs to be a culture where you know people who are then coming up 14 15 16 they're really conscious about it and and then you know that will set a precedent for then when they kind of move in and what they go and learn from when they're 16 to 18 for example so it's very um something i'm i'm really conscious of again again you know once you have kids you really really opens you your sort of thing to that not saying that yeah it doesn't but it, you start really really thinking about it you know how will society be in 10 years time or whatever i mean there's there's some really shocking information kind of like they're saying that there's only 27 natural outside crops left until there's no outside farming left and so i mean i'm a i, I was still am a big meat eater um tim from healthy house boys vegan a lot of the training kind of lent towards um eat plants eat local not too much pretty simple he's kind of our um training on on nutrition but we also talk about sustainability uh, and how we can start shopping local but then connect 
connecting with what we eat by growing your own stuff. And even if you live in a city centre apartment, you can start doing that. Yeah. Again, I'm lucky um, from a young age. It was always rhubarb at the end of the garden in some form yeah. of like strawberries growing. And um, We had our own animals in a farm at one point in time. So I was used to that whole process of, uh, of feeding, nurturing, and killing and eating. That's not going to go away either. And I think, you know, um, I, you know, I don't eat a lot of meat, but I do more of a, a conscious decision for myself but you know i do eat meat and when i do i kind of want to know where it's from how it's reared and these things are important and i think again it comes where people start i was in a vegan restaurant the other day and they're like well we don't like to say we're vegan we just want to educate people on what they want if they want to do that that's fine everyone needs to listen to each other and respect each other's views and the more the world is like that and the more we're interlocked you know you're gonna it's gonna have to be like that otherwise you're just gonna create divisions constantly which is i think what we're seeing is going on across the world right now, probably politically. It, it, it's about, a, you know, understanding everyone's, you know, different religion, different society and respecting it and understanding it. I, I find it interesting learning about other cultures and religion and, and people's beliefs. I think it's great. And, you know, if everyone was all the same, it'd be fucking boring. It, yeah, I mean, you've hit the nail on the head. It, it's, I was talking about it this morning, actually, which is kind of listening to understand instead of listening to respond. And I believe that we're kind of a little bit blinkered. And I, I used to do it a lot. I used to I used to listen to people just to think about what I could respond to them. And then I kind of not grow, grew up a little bit. I became a little bit more conscious and re- recognized that actually understanding and listening to understand is interesting. Get a, a completely different view of the world. When you get a different view of the world and a more educated one, you can create a better educated um, kind of opinion for yourself, right? But that goes into a, I sound really preachy there, but 100%, I, I agree with you completely. Yeah, I think you do that. And I think if you got, and if you, if you have the opportunity to travel, you, you, you see that everyone really should see people on content of the character rather than anything else. You know, judge people yeah. on that and how, not how they look or, what their beliefs are, isn't it? The concept, the character, and how they are towards you as a human. You know, yeah. You be breaking people down into subcategories from there is where the problem um, definitely, definitely. definitely yeah. <laughs> so look, I mean, just to wrap up, is anything without sounding too preachy about like what people can be doing to help themselves at the minute. Yeah. So, um, so con- connect when you feel like you want to connect. Um, if you, if you're looking for information about how to safeguard your mental and physical health, then please have a look at, uh, so let's talk on Instagram. I made a really bad marketing decision by putting three underscores after the, the, the link on there. So it's at, uh, so let's talk three underscores. Um, we're just in the process at the moment of launching our lifestyle page for hospitality. Uh, for, so let's talk, uh, we've created kind of what was goop, um, but for the hospitality industry, mine the consumerism um so if nobody if people don't know goop was created by gwyneth paltrow where she got some content creators to write about things that they're passionate about so we've done the same for the hospitality industry we've got some content creators that are writing about different aspects of the industry that might be of value to people in the hope that you get some um some value from it so if you want to get on board with that then drop me an email at patrick at let's talk.co just.co um <laughs> yeah, i know right um my designer said it was a good idea I don't think it's been so far, to be honest. Um, but yeah, in terms of in terms of touching on stuff that will help you during lockdown, those two sites uh, and our social media will hopefully add that to it. Uh, recognize that you're a human being and not a human doing. Um, so if you're going to do nothing and you feel like doing nothing, do nothing properly. Um, but also safeguarding your, your mental and physical health as a priority um, is not selfish, it's wise. Um, so sleep, eat, connect and sweat, pretty simple. Yeah, man. Being positive doesn't mean you have to be happy, does it? Sometimes um, 
if you feel it, own it. You know what I mean. If if you don't feel that good, it's something that's just part of being a human. There's a lot of things that again, people be positive, be happy, but it's not always possible. I, I, but I, I can. I'll just finish on this, uh, and, and I'm not usually um, this irate about stuff, but that constant. Constant pursuit of happiness is bullshit. Um, I no longer listen to personal development speakers that tell me to get up at three o'clock in the morning and that I'm not successful unless I've put created all my content for the week before seven o'clock. All of that put way too much pressure on me. Um, being positive isn't about being continuously positive. That's just not reality. It's not how the world works. Being positive is knowing that during the dark times, you have the tools with inside of your armory to take yourself out of that dark period and put yourself back in a positive one. That for me is what being positive these days uh, and I recognize that sometimes I'm going to feel shit, but by recognizing that emotion and letting it drift by, drift by, sorry, and, and then recognize that I can take myself out of that negative state and put myself in a better one just by doing some simple things, which might be grabbing myself a nice cup of coffee or making myself a grilled cheese sandwich because that's how I feel like it. Um, yeah. So so that's kind of where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, that'd cheer anyone up, man. Um, <laughs> listen, um, thanks a lot for your time, mate. I think... Um, yeah, like I said before, I think it's uh, it's really, really noble what you guys are doing. And I think a, a very, very important subject or subjects. So mm. I wish you all looking well with it. And I think um, it'll be a massive success. So um, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks, buddy. And thanks for giving me the platform to be able to share what we do with So Let's Talk. Um, really enjoyed this conversation. Um, yeah, so just to, to finish off, kind of, so let's talk um, in regards to you connecting with us. Um, link is on our social media or drop us an email. Um, if you're in a position that you feel like you need to reach out and you do need some support, uh, we can definitely signpost or help you where we can. Big thank you for Paddy for coming on and being so open and honest and I predict so let's talk I'll go from strength to strength over the next few years so wish him all luck in the world uh, if you feel that you can relate to anything that Paddy has said like he said at the end of the episode please don't hesitate to contact him on the various platforms um, if you want to leave a review and subscribe uh, to the podcast it's mattyfarrell.co.uk if you want to email me anything they've discussed today I'm more than happy for that to happen as well I'd also like to give a shout out to anyone who works at Duke Street Market in Liverpool uh, and all the businesses in there that made such a success and winning a great award this week uh, the best new tourist attraction in Liverpool City region so well done everyone um, well deserved thoroughly well deserved uh, so that's the end of the episode this week thanks again to Paddy so let's talk and 86 The Silence I think I'll leave it there this week. Thanks for listening. Take care.